Hola amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. We have a special guest today, and I'm going to give you her professional credentials. But the true reason to have her here is not so much the credentials, which are amazing, but it's her story and how she got to be a CEO and founder of this amazing company called Solvo Telecom Consulting. Now, we all know that many of us have had many struggles in our lives and we've been through ups and downs and uh, tragedies, but this woman is so resilient and I am not going to say much about that just yet because On this podcast, she says it all. And I'm just truly honored that she decided to speak up here on Amiga Handle Your Shit. Because Amigas, this woman is handling her shit. So without getting into her personal story just yet, let me tell you a little bit about her professional life. Glorimar Hickman is a Latina in technology for over 30 years. She is passionate about her role in the telecommunications industry, successfully leading over a hundred strategic initiatives with Fortune 500 companies and healthcare organizations in North America, EMEA, APAC, and LATAM in all facets of telecommunications. And she possesses in-depth knowledge of telecommunications technology, the impact on operations, and she specializes in assessing current states in the company and providing roadmaps to improving customer experience and operational efficiencies to build a better brand and business awareness. Now, this, I mean, What she does is amazing professionally, but when you start hearing her story, you are going to be in awe that such a successful woman was a victim of so many things. And I I don't 
speak lightly because she is a survivor and she is thriving, obviously. And when I met her, I just fell in love with her, fell in love with her story, fell in love with who she is because she really, really is so heart-centered. And this podcast is about love. Despite everything she went through, in the end, love conquers all. And so without further ado, this is the beautiful soul, passionate leader, Glorimar Hickman. Thank you, Jacqueline. I, I really do appreciate it, Jackie. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I am um, shaking my pants <laughs> to be here. Not sure how this is going to go, but um, thank you for allowing me to to share my story in this platform. And I know you mentioned that uh, my story needs to be heard, um, and it, it's something that I I feared sharing for many reasons. Yeah. The main one is I, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry for me, but um, I'll give you my background. I um, I was born in Puerto Rico, and I grew up in Hartford. And although we moved a variety of different places, sometimes we would go to Springfield, sometimes we'll come back, or sometimes we'll uh, live in different streets. My all my memories are pretty much of Park Street, and um, Park Street is predominantly Puerto Rican population. I am the oldest. Uh, there are four siblings. My mommy, I call her uh, Mama Dukes. She raised us solita, <laughs> alone. We, I just celebrated 28 years of marriage with my husband, Mark Sr. He is uh, an angel sent from heaven for me. So with that said, I, I am a mom of three beautiful children. Jasmine is 34 and, you know, she's a, an epitome of where I am right now, she I call her my warrior princess. Then I have Kayla, she's 28, and she's my baby girl. I love her. Just very independent, easygoing. If you talk to her, I don't know who raised her. Like she raised herself. She was just amazing. Then I have uh, Mark Jr. He's he's our, our our baby. He's 27. My baby boy, my Marky, and um, three beautiful uh, grandchildren. They're all from from Jasmine. So, as I share my personal story, I want us to reflect on the power of imbalances in our society, generational trauma. You know, from from our ancestors, the lack of um, education that contributed to to the poverty, the survival and, and the perseverance that I I have within myself to break chains. So there are there are a lot of them that that I was able to successfully do. And and um you know it was it took a village. It really did take a, a village. It took love. I, I had to learn how to love myself in order to love others and to do what I want to do in life. I have been, you know, despite all the challenges, I want to say that I'm, I'm blessed with a beautiful family and friends and coworkers and experiences. It's, it's just been um, amazing. But I do look and walk forward with a positive mindset. So um, that's what keeps me strong. So... I'll start off with my mommy because um, my mom um, 
is, uh, you know, she's not for nine years. She's had uh, an acquired brain injury and, and she's in a long term care facility. But I want I want to honor her. I really do. I want to honor her because um, despite what happened to me, she was just and still is a very strong, crazy, wild, fun, compassionate Puerto Rican, right? She was um, the voice for those that did not have a voice in our community. And um, I would be embarrassed to, you know, like, oh my God, that's my mom. You know, I was like, this is, this is my mom. But, but um, whenever we had, we had a home, mom would have random people sleep at our house. She would feed everybody, the whole uh, community, gang members, um, prostitutes, um, to, to, you know, um, the, the, la prima, lo primo, whoever didn't have a home, um, in a band. Many girls, they call her, um, Tipita, you know, that's what she was known for. But, um, what she did for the community, the community did for her. Uh, and many times we were homeless. We stayed at random places, attics, friends' houses, new boyfriend, my tío Josian and my tío Carmen. We would stay at their house many times with my cousins. Um, we lived with them. You know, many times we, uh, we lived, uh, in an apartment with no heat or hot water or light, but we, that's the life we knew, right? We, we just kind of went along with, with everything. And, um, sometimes she had a job two or three jobs and sometimes she was um, on welfare. I never know like what it was, but I was the main care- caregiver um, for, um, for my siblings, you know, anywhere between eight, nine, 10, you know, that pretty much taking care of them. So these, despite all of these challenges and everything that we went through, I want to say that we never went hungry <laughs> and we always were well-dressed. So it, it's just like, we we went through poverty, but it, it was it was still that sense of familia. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. the next person I'll mention is Mike Mike Hosian. He's um he was like the the foundation of the family. He was a protector, and um, when he passed away, that was a turning point for my mom, and I think it was a turning point for a lot a lot of us. She became addicted to drugs, and um, she was not working as um, hard as she used to it was tough it was tough you know I I would watch over her to see if um, she was breathing if uh, you know what we can do unfamiliar faces were showing up at my Didi's house we were there and one of the familiar and unfamiliar faces was of Edwin Edwin um the Edwin that my tío Josian used to protect us from the Edwin that the Ojosian would say, do not talk to. Uh, the Edwin that he said, do not go next to. The Edwin that would forever change my life. Mm, so yeah. Edwin came into uh, our lives, into my mommy's life. And uh, he he would save her, right? I didn't know uh, what it was. I didn't put uh one and one or two and two or three and three or four and four together. I, I didn't. I was I was young. I was um uh 13 at the time. And um but when he was around her attitude would change, you know, she was chipper and energized and sort of like, you know, mm, okay, you know, is what is he doing, you know? And at times she would crash and then Edwin would come back to rescue. So my first encounter with him was a verbal and physical abuse. Uh, he asked me to go with him to pick something up for my mom. And I followed, right? Uh, he made my mom feel good. So I followed. And that was the first time that I got a 
my beating at 13 and, um, in back of his, uh, his, uh, mom's house or porch, whatever you call it in, in, in a building near Park Street. Now, I don't know how it happened, why it happened, how long it happened, but all I heard, if you say anything, I will kill your mom. Right? That's all I heard. So I was numb. I, I did not know what to do or say. My mom, I was a, I was a good girl. I was a good girl. I, I made sure that I never got in trouble. Uh, never, uh, I, there was no chancletas coming my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Very diligent. Very, very compliant. Yes. Very compliant. I, you know, if anybody did not obey, I, I would you know, say, hey, you know, sissy, you know, get it together, you know, cousin, get it together. Anybody, you know, that, that had a chanclet, I'm going to them, get it together. Like I was, I was the compliant one. I was the one that obeyed. And, um, I don't ever recall ever getting spanked by my mom. I really don't. Like I would, so, you know, hitting, getting hit by a man that, yeah, I really didn't know. And yeah, was new territory. I, and I didn't know what, what the heck was happening. I, I do not, I, I don't know what the heck happened. But if I obeyed, my mom was going to continue to live, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, see, here's the thing. As a 13-year-old, I mean, as you've having 13-year-olds in your life, your kids at one point were 13 and your grandkids now. And I, having an 11-year-old, it's like, like when you come from a violent environment, that's all you see. But for you... You're like, what the heck is this all about? And it's very confusing when you're that young. Very confusing. Mm -hmm. So, so of course, what would you do? I mean, you're, you've done everything good and, and you comply and you obey and you do everything that you are told. And here you are. You have no idea what you, in your mind, you're probably thinking, I disobeyed him in what way? Like, Mm -hmm. how? Right? Because that's the only way you get hit is if you disobey. Mm-hmm. That's wow. it. Yeah. And he was wrong. And I just had to obey. Right. Now, the beatings happen frequently. Right. And during my whole my whole time, even the fact that I, I obeyed at home, I was very smart. Also obeyed at school. I was the nerdy one and I didn't care. I loved who I was. I loved how I dressed. I loved my, um, my bottle glasses. You can make fun of me and I did not care. <laughs> and everyone respected that. Everyone respected that. I still hung out with, with the cool kids, like my sisters and my cousins and their friends. Everyone respected Glory. They all, um, respected Glory. So started, started high school, just 13, 14, 14. And, um, I want to say I might have done a week or two of high school. He picked me up. I thought he was going to bring me home. And I was, I I disappeared. (laughs) So I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I really want us to pause there. So when you said, so Edwin was the one that, that went to pick you up from school, from school. And you're thinking that he's going to return you to your house. Mm Mm-hmm. But instead, he doesn't. So what happened? I remember getting in the car. It's a long drive to his sister's house. 
that lived in Springfield. I, you know, somewhat, only thing that I can think of is I want to go home. My heart is thumping. I wasn't sure what was going on here, you know, and next thing I know, shift into a room and um, I'm sitting on a bed at their team. And then from there, I don't remember getting on a plane to Puerto Rico. I don't remember how it happened, who orchestrated. I don't understand. So I ended up in, um, in his family's house. And in the mountain, in the montaña, in Yabucoa, <laughs> like Puerto Rico. And in Puerto Rico. So he could have drugged you for all you knew because you don't remember anything. I don't re- remember any of that. Like, I don't, I don't know. Never questioned. I feel like there's a lot that either I just kind of went with the flow in my head and it was just like all a blur. I don't know if I don't ever remember being drugged at all in, in, in my life, but everything is just, I just ended up in Puerto Rico. I don't know how that, that happened. And knowing uh, what we go through today with passports and birth certificates and all that stuff, like how did I end up in Puerto Rico, right? At that point, I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm not going home. My mom could not help me because... Last time I saw her, she was laying down in bed. My siblings were too young. My tío Josian was no longer alive. Like, is this is this it, right? What, I didn't question what I did or, like, I don't, I, I just went with the flow, right? I listened. It's like he just claimed me. Like, I was just claimed. I was claimed. I don't know why, but I was claimed. Yeah. So when I was there about for approximately three years, I was um, abused verbally, physically and sexually almost every day. His family around him, neighbors around, they saw it. No one said anything. No one said anything. But um, I couldn't do anything about everything that I did was wrong. I did uh, look one way. And it was wrong, and I would get a beaten. I could look sad. I would get a beaten. I would, you know, try and act happy. I would get a beaten. I didn't clean the right way. I didn't know how to cook, <laughs> so there was a lot of beaten there. Um, looked out the window, anything. I would get beaten constantly, constantly, constantly. So, my biggest what I would remember is all these people around and they're hearing everything. They're seeing everything and no one is doing anything. <laughs> you know, it was like, um, Pobrecita Glory, you know, like I would hear like on the sidelines, Pobrecita Glory, Enguito Glory, Glory, but there was no help for Glory. There was absolutely no help for Glory. So, at that time, those time in in, in uh, mid eighties, I, I guess, um, there's no telephone. No one really had a telephone. We, there was no telephone in 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 our the casa that was that belonged to his family. Now there there was uh, his uncle and his aunt that that lived um, down the hill, and they had a telephone. They had a telephone, but they didn't dare 
bypass him. Esta es la esposa de, esta es la esposa de, de, de Edwin. That he claimed to me, right? Esta la, despite the fact that they knew exactly what was going on. And they were the only ones with, with the telephone. So there's one of the questions that I, I, I attempted to share my story with some teenagers. I think I mentioned this to you in a, one time. It was, it was, um, at a summer, summer school job literacy thing for, for high school event. And I tried to tell the, the kids like what was going on. And they were, they were asking like, why didn't you call the police? Why didn't you call this person? Or why didn't you call like, why? You don't even know numbers at the time, right? The, the 10 digit numbers or whatever. There was no help. Like there's, there's nothing that, that I can do. So it was a very different time. The eighties, we, it was, totally, it was a lot more challenging to get a hold of a phone. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So I lived like this for about almost three years. Jackie and, and I, I, I felt this was my destiny. I don't know what happened, what I did, but I, I serve no purpose in life. I'm just an object. Yeah. I'm just an object. Um, and I got my hand somehow on a Bible. I don't know how, maybe someone slipped it to me. I don't know, but I read it. I read it a lot. Probably didn't understand it much, multiple times a day. The time that I was left alone, I prayed. I self-taught. I'm praying. And I feel like, well, I know this Bible brought me life. It brought me life. I wasn't alone. I cried. I wanted to give up. I don't recall wanting to take my life, but I think I did. My biggest concern was my mom, right? Throughout this whole thing, it was like, not about me, about my mom. I was confused all the time. And I, I wanted to go home, but I couldn't fight. And I didn't fight back. I, I didn't fight back. I remember I never fought back. And that's one of the, the, the things that the kids would tell me. They asked, like, why didn't you fight back? Like, and I was like, I just did not fight back. Right? Yeah. Well, I, as we, we started off is that you were very compliant. Mm-hmm. So fighting back would be disobeying. Yeah. It's doing something abnormal in your life. That I did not get up. And my mom was a fighter, but I would be like, mom, like, right, you're embarrassing. Or like, she was a fighter. She was a fighter in the family. And, and I would be like, why am I not like her? Or, or I don't want to be like her. You know, it was just like the, the thing. I, I probably the latter. I don't want to be like her. Right. I don't want to be like her. That's all I knew. Right. Now, with all of this, I got pregnant. And instead of being disgusted with the whole situation, I remember my body getting filled with hope. It was like, I'm not alone anymore. And there was a strength and sense of purpose within me and this love within me that did not exist for a little human that I did not know and that could potentially be Coming into this world, this ugly ass world, this shitty ass world, shitty, right? I couldn't com- comprehend why I was happy. Why? Why? And I didn't know that it would uh, align the stars 
that it was a gift from God. But um, somehow, some way, shape, or form, this girl, and I didn't even know if it was a girl or not, but <laughs> I didn't even know it was a girl or not. But um, like my breathlessness became breath. My hopelessness became hope. My lack of purpose became, you know, that there's a purpose that I, that I have. And I just felt this is your time. This is your time and you're not alone. Right. And they did not realize that, you know, and they still didn't have that connection where things happen for a reason. Never had that, that connection like things happen for a reason, but I had hope. I had hope and I, I didn't, I'm thinking that this little child is going to be with me and go through this with me and I'm no longer alone. You know, that, that was my original intent. So with, you know, everything happens for a reason. Edwin was so freaking happy about this. And I'm like, okay. The product was, I wasn't in as severely. I was not thrown across the room to another room. Did not have my head bang against the bathroom mirrors or the counters or whatever as brutally as I used to. Thrown on the floor of the Marquesina. You know, the, the, the big carport that we have in, 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 uh, in many of the houses in Puerto Rico where you have everything. Everybody gathers there and you have the washer and dryer and all that. And everybody can hear everything and see everything. Yes. But um, the one good thing allowed me to do was like, I have to call my mom. And that very, very little time, like the first time that I called my mom, maybe a year later. And I I don't know. I don't know if they thought I ran away. I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. What they felt, what happened. But every time I called my mom, I had a knife on my a neck because um, he didn't want the, to, me to tell them where I was. Or and he just, I don't know. So I tell her how I felt in the news, and, and she was very happy. But the transformation there was that I got peace. I got peace because my mom had said that she met this man, Miguel, and that I will forever, forever be grateful for. And he helped her into a full recovery of, um, of a drug addiction. And, at, you know, that was like another point in my life. I was like, okay, things happen for a reason. Like, would she have met him? Would she have changed? If I had not disappeared, right? Would she, would, what, where would she be at and where would I be at? So it was about her. It was all about her. And, um, she had mentioned that, uh, she had a stable income and apartment. She saw was so happy. She was very happy as well that she was going to have her first grandchild. As horrible as the whole situation. But I thank God, I thank God because I wanted her. I wanted her to be with us. I wanted her to live. And um, I didn't want to stand over her and um, watch her breathing. You know, well, all of this, Jackie, what I remember 
our eyes, everybody's eyes, the eyes of pity, the eyes of, I want to help you, but I can't. The eyes of, why don't you have the strength to run? Or why don't you say something? Or why don't you report him? I just remember eyes, everyone's eyes. That's all I remember. But no help. And no help at all. So I think I went to one or two OBGYN appointments. I don't, I don't, um, Again, I, the, the eyes of disbelief from the medical staff. And, and I know that they wanted me to say something. I know it, but there was nothing, like no action, no help. But I want to say that, um, I got, when I got, so finally, I'm, I'm ready to give birth. And, um, I do remember it was the second to last beating of my life. So it was, you know, midnight or whatever time it was in the middle of the night. And I knew I had to give birth to this little child. And I, you know, got a beating because I messed up and disrupted the sleep. And he would not take me to the hospital. You know? like, I, I really need to go to the hospital. And um, I got dropped off in front of the hospital. Unfamiliar territory. I remember looking at the doors and walking the path solita. It was late at night. I believe I arrived around six in the morning, maybe, maybe, maybe five in the morning. Because um I go in, explain to you know the ER staff that I'm having a baby and and um it was just surreal. It was like walking in a narrow hallway. I can just see everything is narrow and everything is dark and it's just see the light. I really do. I see the light at the end of that tunnel, at the end of whatever was happening. There were no words. I literally said, Hey, I'm having my baby. And they asked for my name. And that was that. I don't know. I, I don't have insurance. I don't have nothing. And everything was silent, 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 silent. I remember the nurses helping me take my clothes off and I'm in pain, but there was no pain that I was experiencing more than what I had already experienced. So there was not a beat that was coming out of my mouth. I couldn't, I was like, this strength, this is strong. And I'm like, God, you're with me. And the nurses asked me, Hey, is there anybody with you? Nope. Um, they couldn't understand why I was alone or how I got there. I didn't admit that anybody dropped me off. Um, I just got there. Uh, and they were very, very respectful of, of the whole um, situation. And they treated me very well. It was a natural birth. Uh, one hour. Uh, so it's, I want to say from six o'clock to, to seven, um, I, I had, I had uh, Jasmine. But what I experienced is a warrior princess. Just getting dropped up my chest. It was love at first sight. It was strength at first sight. It was breath at first sight. It was purpose at first sight. And um, she just gave me 
if it wasn't for her, I don't know where I would be. I don't know where I don't, I wouldn't be here right now talking to you. I wouldn't be here right now talking to you. So I want to say after we left, and he's on the birth certificate again. I don't remember anything. I was alone. No one knew I had a baby. No one. I didn't have anyone to share. It was. Uh, it was just she and I, and it was. Um, it was meant to be. It, her, God, and I. It was meant to be. It was just at our time, right there. So things kind of went well, right? I had this child, and I had not gotten a beat in in a couple months. And um, I was like, wow, 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 right? But that's her purpose. And then um, everything changed. And uh, I got my last beating. I got my last beating. And beyond the punches and the screaming, I heard this little voice crying at the end, helplessly just crying, crying, crying. And it was the first time I fought back. The first time I threw the punches, the first time I pushed that week, I, you know, I couldn't believe what I was doing, but I did it. I don't know how I called the police, but I called the police. I don't know how. I don't even remember. All I know is maybe I ran down the street, you know, to Betty's house that had the phone. And I, the cops were there. So first time, tell them the situation. They wouldn't believe me. They wouldn't believe me. And I wanted to leave, and they wouldn't. And this guy was insisting that I was his wife. And they believed him. So the cop said, if you want to leave, you will leave. But that little girl is going to stay there. So I had to leave. And I had asked the cops, how am I going to get her back? How am I going to get my child back? They have to go to court. So I don't know how we got a hold of my family, but they helped me escape. They picked me up, and um, we went to um, Cataño, which is like on the other other end, and um, and uh, we had to wait for a court date to get my baby back. So um, every so often, I'm not sure, maybe two or three weeks has happened that it would come and um, let me know that that the baby was okay. You let me know it was okay. So on court date, you know, in the meantime, I'm hearing all this craziness that he was a drug dealer. And in my mind, I'm like, why didn't I know all of this? Why? Why didn't I know? Why didn't I know? Why didn't I know that he was my mom's drug dealer? Why didn't I know um, that he used drugs? Why didn't I know um, that he had people watching? Like, I couldn't figure out why if I looked out the window, I would get beaten. I did not know. And, you know, so now I'm learning all of this stuff. And um, and as you mentioned, like, when I look at my grandchildren now, I don't know if I went through that with my, I don't think I went through that with my, my, 
my kids, I actually protected them. I used to, they had them, I had them in a protective bubble. But I see my grandkids now, and I'm like really looking at the the physique, their mentality, their with the you know the the innocence that they carry, and then I'm like, okay, it's okay, it, it, it's okay. But we went to court, and um, we sat down together. Like I I sat down. I was sitting down already. You know, I, I got there right here, and then he comes in and. I wasn't scared. Mm. For the first time, I was not scared. I had this power and he kept on saying, um, you're not having her. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, whatever, I'm going to kill your mom again. Right. Everything was like, I'm going to kill your mom. Everything was all about, I'm going to kill your mom. And this time he said, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Go for it. I'm like, go for it. I'm like, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. That was my response. And he got caught off guard because now was the second time that I did, you know, stand up to him. And um, within the, the the few weeks that that um, we were apart, people were empowering me and giving me it was like a, a information to take to the judge. Like they, they, so I, I was, I was empowered. I, I had, I collected data. I, I knew, I, I, everybody just started to help me when I left, when I took it upon myself to leave. That's when, you know, people started to kind of give me information. And, uh, we get to the judge's chamber, just him and I. And to my surprise, the judge asked and it was an immediate, she can take her. <laughs> And like, there was no it's or buts. Judge was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know. And then that was the escape. So the trip home was not easy. He came after me before Puerto Rico, before the plane ride. He came after me after the, the plane ride. And, um, to the United I, States, he came after the, you. The United States. So for seven years after I escaped, he came after me. For seven years, I always had in my head, you're nothing. And you're not going to survive or you're going to be poor. You know, you don't have nobody to support you. So for seven years, I worked very hard to prove him wrong. <laughs> I took the break to break chains. But for seven years, I would move. I would have nightmares. I still have nightmares. And, you know, the, he taught me a lesson. He taught me a lesson. You're not nothing, right? Everything was like, you're nothing, you're nothing, you're nothing. I turned it into success. I turned it into a whole success story. So, I wasn't about proving him or proving to him that I, you know, that, that I could do better. It was about proving to me that I can do better because I have nothing to prove to anyone. I have nothing to prove. I also believe in God. I'm very faithful. I know you asked me when you, as soon as you got in the cars, you're faithful, uh, women. 
I am. I believe in God. I believe in God. And he has sent me so many angels from the time that I um, conceived Miss, Miss Jasmine. Um, it, it's just been a blessing. Like he's, he's paved ways that they're not, uh, they haven't been easy. Uh, but he sends me angels. He sends, uh, you know, I have my husband. He's a huge godsend. He, I met him one year after, um, before Jasmine turned one year because, um, I did a literacy program, uh, because I didn't want to be on welfare. And my, um, my, uh, stepsister and my cousin had already gone through this literacy program that in on off of Park Street for Latina for the Latina um young women. And um I got into uh it was a six month program and I got into work for an insurance company. I got my GED. I went to college. Um uh, but my husband, I met him at, at work. I was <laughs> reporting to him and uh he liked me and I told him I'm broken. I was like, I'm so broken, dude. I cannot. I'm like, no. And he was persistent. And I'm like, I'm broken. You don't understand. You can't even touch me. Right. You know what I mean? You can't touch me. And, um, he sits by me during my nightmares. We didn't live together for six years, but, um, he was, he stood by me. He, if I had to move, he would pick up my stuff and help me move every single time. <laughs> no questions asked. I knew it. And um, when he proposed six years later, he basically, uh, his proposal, you know, seemed a little lame, but it was pretty, pretty, like hardcore. So we're, we're in the car and he says, Glamour. I want you to marry me and he showed me the ring which was some crazy ridiculous carrot and I said you, t- you need to take that back this is a like I'm a little chica here living you know in the city I don't know what the heck that is like I don't want it but he said in one condition you will stop running <laughs> mm. in one condition you can't run anymore I'm here for you so so that, you know, that was that. And then I've had so many role models, so many champions in my life. My mommy, um, my DP, my Lisa's, my Joanne's, my Cynthia's, my Michael's, my Marisol's. I mean, I've had uh, my Barry's, my colleagues, uh, so many amazing people lifting me up. Many of them don't know my story. Well, now they will. Now they will. I just wanted to move on i just you know my my biggest goal was to um break the chains break uh the poverty cycle make sure that my kids had a good education that my kids were protected that they went to college that they had their own families and and they have to go through the burdens that that we had to go through so with the help of my husband and i like my husband is my partner in crime right? he's just um amazing and his my mother-in-law is amazing so it's just I decided to live life you know yeah. to live life and yeah, that's pretty much from my story with Ooh. my with job it's um uh, with my job I I've had amazing amazing managers 
I love what I do. I've been in technology for over 30 years. I joke. Everyone asks me, like, what? when did you start when you were a baby? And so I do take care of myself. I, I am um, in health and I had been health and wellness for a while teaching fitness and decided to kind of give it a break. Actually, not give it a break. I retired. And <laughs> uh, so, but I'm working now more on myself, connecting with my culture, Jackie. I did not, I was pissed off. I, you know, at one point in time, I wanted nothing to do with with the Latino culture. I was just so mad at it. Like yeah, I was not, so I can imagine. I can imagine. I mean, it's, you're in the heart and central of part of Latin America, right? And, and you're not getting the resources nor the help, even though they're seeing it and watching the adversity that you're undergoing they were mm-hmm. not willing to help. So I can imagine, I mean, I would be pissed off too. I'd be mad and and not wanting to be a part of it anymore. But there was something about it that also has helped you. Because I know you were saying about community and the angels. And it's like, I think you get to a point in your life that you get, you decide, wait a minute, this person, this one person was the one that did all this to you and once you went through your process of learning and forgiving and loving then you were able to recognize that it had nothing to do about the community it was about this asshole in your life yeah i'm truly honored good the community like i i remember us taking care of each other despite all the craziness we took care of each other you know um but I reconnected. <laughs> I was like, I had to get, get, get over it. Right. I had to get over it and, you know, reconnect it. And, um, it felt better. I felt better because I was yeah. definitely losing a piece of, of who I was and in, in my culture. And, um, I, again, I've had, you know, angels that reconnected me <laughs> with my Latino community. And, and, um, I had the, uh, the utmost pleasure to traveling back to to Puerto Rico and I went back to Puerto Rico I went back um for work you know, I went back for work with and, and no no one knew you know the trauma that it would cause me but I did it right I went back for work because uh, that was my my assigned territory for um for the insurance company that I was working for so um but I went back truly reconnecting during the Maria post uh, Maria hurricane and I helped and I stood there for, for a bit and, and I helped with the recovery efforts. And at that point in time, I was like, this is, this is my, this is my culture. Like I can't abandon you, you know, like this is who I am and this is who my mom was. So there was that connection and, um, pretty much what I've been doing, you know, with, with everything, with everyone in my life, just reconnecting, reconnecting, creating, um, the, the friendships and, and, uh, the, uh, running groups and and I did not like to run because my husband told me you can't run anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. Just tug of war with like running. And um so I did start running and uh but it, it was just like this 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 craziness. But I it really taught me to just work hard. And I I've loved my job, everything that I've done in my entire my my entire entire career. And you know, starting Solvo, I really wanted that that uh 
yo solvo, I, I saw, right, that, that culture, that Latino culture, and I wanted to embrace that Hispanic um, culture in, in, in the workforce, I, uh, in the technology field. I was here in, in Connecticut, I, I was one of one. <laughs> there were not that many Latina women in, in the technology field. So diversity and equity and integrity was very, very important for me while developing the, the new organization. So I experienced challenges with, with my previous, it was a company and I, nothing reflected on the company, you know, cause some people are just asses, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're assholes. <laughs> They're not reflective of, of the company's cultures, but, um, they, uh, you know, I experienced some, I experienced some challenges and I was told that, um, you know, I was, I was not qualified to be at the director level, which went, which was actually downgraded from a VP because of the acquisition. And I wasn't qualified to speak to uh, C-suite executives. So in my mind, I was like, you don't know me. You don't know what I have gone through. And if you tell me I cannot do something, I will do something. Like I will, I will show you, you know what? Not even show you. I will prove to myself that I will exceed what you think that I cannot do, you know? And um, at that point, it was a pivotal point for me. And um, so I started Sorboa, you know, kind of planning ahead to uh, launch Sorbo Telecom uh, Consulting in January of this year. So it's been, yes, it's been Bravo. amazing and so far very successful. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's oh. that. Oh that's my me. goodness. That's, that's oh. me. That, that's just a little tiny bit of, of, of everything. It's, um, but it's just, it, that's what changed, changed my life. Um, yeah. oh my God. And, yeah. Mar, I am so, so grateful for your story here on Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast because this is going to help so many Amigas, many women who live in silence. Mm-hmm. Who are so afraid, so afraid to speak up. And I, and I know that this episode is going to land on their hearts and be, and empower them to speak up that, that we get to reclaim our bodies. We get to reclaim our life and nobody has authority over you because you are your sovereign self and no one. And I mean, no one can claim you. You claim yourself. And I'm so grateful for, for your words, your inspiration. This is so valuable. And I, like, I always ask my amigas, like, before we end the episode is if they, if they can give me one or two tips on how she can handle her shit. I'm like, girl, you've been telling us all along through your story. I kid you not. Like, I can't, I feel like, I mean, she already gave us more than, than one or two tips. <laughs> Yeah, but I did. I did put one together, though. I did put one ah, together. Like, go for it. Knock like yourself up. You're just like so, amiga. Uh, you know, just don't dwell on the past. Nothing you do, or to dig yourself deep into the caca, right? Nothing that you you do or say or all those emotions is going to change your future. You know, like if you dwell. It's just going to drown you, right? So I've always had that beat it, acknowledge it. You have to acknowledge it because it's there, right? And cry when you want to cry. Rely on those shoulders that that are willing to um, just 
let you cry and then move forward. You know, set your goals, crush them and just show them that you can handle your shit. You know, be bold, be your own cheerleader. My husband makes fun of me because I always um, give my own self kudos before he does. You know, so I'll, I'll look in the mirror and I'll say, you're beautiful. Or uh, I did something good and I'll say, damn, I'm good. Or damn, you're good. You know, and, and he sits there and laughs because I don't even give him the chance to do that. <laughs> like yeah. her. Um, and I think that the, and just love everyone, love, love yourself, love everyone around you, be the difference, like be the difference. And, um, you just don't, uh, and I don't like talking caca about other people either. Like no, no shit. No, like if you, if you start talking caca about other people with me, I walk away. Like, okay, this is not, not it because we have to empower each other. Um, Yeah. 1000%. 1000 mm-hmm. percent. i love that you say if you do um what is it be bold be your own cheerleader you and know, love if, yourself and love yourself <laughs> if you dwell if you dwell it's going to downgrade you pretty much i mean so let's yes. stop dwelling i love that thank you so much for it i'm telling you Glorima, the first time i met you i was like wow truly inspirational truly powerful um and it's just a testament about resilience and that no matter how the adversity hits you, there's always a way out. Mm-hmm. There's always a way out. And you yeah. are a testament to that. You yeah. are a testament to that. You could have dwell and stayed stuck forever, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But yes. you decided not to anymore. This is very powerful. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for all that you do and how we, we can continue to survive. And so I love your tips. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have my team put some resources for people who may find themselves in this kind of situation as resources. And if you want to share some that you've used, I'd be happy to share along the way as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jackie. Yes. Falling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, you look perfect. You're beautiful. And I'm just so inspired by your story and by your life. And, you know, we always say, si se puede, if it's in your heart, it can happen. Mm-hmm. You can survive anything. There's no adversity that you cannot. If you have, if you have faith in God and, and God fills your cup, there's no way that you can stay stuck ever. Mm-hmm. Muchas gracias, mi vida. Thank you so much for being here on Amiga Handiership Podcast. Bye, Amiga. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.